Welcome to the Friday Men's Breakfast Podcast, brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. In this week's lesson from 1 Samuel, Bill Wright challenges us to trust God even when facing insurmountable odds as we look at the account of Jonathan's defeat of the Philistines. So open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 14 and join us as we continue to learn what happens when the king that we think we want is not God. So today we're going to start out with first chapter, first Samuel chapter 14. And uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to read the chapter first, the first 23 verses to you. One day Jonathan, son of Saul, and his younger, young armor bearer, come, let's go to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he didn't tell his father. So Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Megron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One would call Bozes and the other Shanae. One cliff stood to the north towards Michmash and the other towards Geba, south towards Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on then, we will cross over toward them and let's see, let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines. The Hebrews are crawling out of their holes where they're hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, Come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to the armor bearer, Climb up after me and the Lord will give them into the hands of Israel. <clears throat> Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer Followed by, and, and um, armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In the first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in the area of a half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field, and those in the outposts and raiding parties, and the ground shook, and it was a panic sent by God. Saul's lookouts at Gibeah and Benjamin saw the army melting away in all directions. Then Saul said to the men who were with him, muster your forces and let's see who has left us. When they did that, it was Jonathan and his armor bearer who are not there. So Saul said to Ahijah, bring the ark of God. And at that time it was with the Israelites. And while Saul was talking to the priest, the tumult and the 
Philistine camp increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all of his men assembled and went into the battle. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. Those Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines had gone up with them to their camp, went over to the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. When all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined in the battle. And so on that day, the Lord saved Israel and the battle moved on to Beth Haven. So um, as a brief um, summary of chapter 13, Saul, uh, that we talked about, Dale talked about in a great lesson last week, that Saul assembled an army in Michmash and Gibeah, but now the Philistines had a big military advantage, which caused many Israelites to flee to another place and leave the army, leaving Saul and Gilgal with a dim prospect for the next battle. At the beginning, Saul had 2,000 men and Jonathan had 1,000 men. They scattered and hid in caves and thickets among the rocks in pits and cisterns, and all the army was quaking with fear. Samuel did not show up fast enough for Saul, so Saul took matters into his own hands. He was afraid uh, also and put himself in the place of the prophet and actually burned, offered the burnt and the fellowship offerings to uh, gain God's favor. But Samuel arrived shortly afterward and shared God's displeasure with him. Now Saul's kingdom was not going to endure because he did the wrong thing. The Israelite army only had farm tools to use as weapons, if you'll recall. They didn't, uh, the Philistines wouldn't allow them to have any swords or spears or anything like that. They just had uh, their implements, their hoes and that sort of thing that they used for the, um, their farming. And the Philistines could sharpen would be the only ones that could sharpen them. So only Saul and Jonathan had swords, spears, and shields. So let's look at this. So First uh, Samuel, obviously, is what um, we've been looking at. It shows us what happens when the king that we think we want isn't God. So the main idea is to trust God even in insurmountable odds. So I've broken this down into four verses, one through five, the Philistine outpost. The test, six through 12, 13 through 15 is the miracle where God moves, and 16 through 23 where Saul joins the battle. So let's look at who, who is Jonathan. He was the first prince of Israel. We were introduced to him in the last week, but um, now he takes a, a primary role. He's, he was the first prince of Israel. He was in line to become the second king of Israel, Jonathan. Jonathan's name in Hebrew means the gift of Je Jehovah, or Jehovah has given he was the oldest uh, son of King Saul. The time of his life was around 1095 to 1056 B.C. 
Yet because of Saul's unfaithfulness, this never happened. And instead, Jonathan is remembered as a loyal friend to David and a devoted leader of his country, which will um, be introduced to David here in another couple of chapters. As a prince, Jonathan likely had a higher education than most people. He was skilled in war and lived in a royal court. He had great uh, leadership abilities, and all the people looked up to him. Okay, so um, let's look at the scripture here. So one day, Jonathan, son of Saul, and a young armor bearer said, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing the ephod, and he was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. And no one was aware that Jonathan had left. And on each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Shanae. One cliff stood on the north towards Michmash and the other to the south towards Geba. Okay. So it seems to me that Jonathan was bored. He was sitting around. They were awaiting. If you kind of take a picture, mental picture of what's going on. The Philistine army, it's, the rock, it's really a rocky area of geography. And um, Jonathan is, um, is sitting around with his men or his, his armor better, and they're away from his dad and the rest of the army because uh, apparently he, he seemed like he was bored. So he was ready for action, and he was ready to start a skirmish. His father, King Saul, is sitting under a pomegranate tree, which is not necessarily, necessarily preparing for battle because, you know, he's sitting under a pomegranate tree. So the, I'm not sure why the Bible said that fact, other than to say that King Saul was taking it easy. And, um, and notice that Ahijah, the priest wearing the ephod, is related to one of uh, the, uh, the priest Eli's son, Phineas. Now, if you remember in chapter 2, um, they were condemned for not properly... Uh, Hophni and Phineas were condemned for not properly... Uh, performing their priestly duties by taking the choice of the sacrificial meat and actually sleeping with the women in the tent of the meeting, which is not good for a priest. Don't do that. This, the cliffs in the region were no place for a casual stroll, but in order to get to where the Philistines were, they had to climb up a cliff on their hands and knees. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I even have a hard time climbing up the stairs going to my second floor right now. <laughs> and I imagine that I could get a lot of amens on that one. Amen. So, so um, but I mean, when I was uh, his age, Jonathan's age, I could probably climb up a cliff, but I wouldn't be able to climb up a cliff and be ready for battle. So, um, 
So uh, let's see here. Versus, okay, so. Hunter, here we go. So Hunter said that I couldn't speak unless I had a map. So I'm going to try to, whoops. The area that we're talking about, the Sea of Gilgal right there, Mizpah, oops, sorry about that. Technical difficulty. Right there, that's where they are right there. And see the proximity to the, uh, the Dead Sea. So, um, so Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from the saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have the had in mind, the armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. So Jonathan, come, uh, Jonathan said, come on then, let's cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, we'll just stay here and uh, where we are and not go out to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord was giving them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes that they were in. And the men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and the armor bearer and said, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to the armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into our hands, the hands of Israel. So Jonathan didn't tell his father about a plan because he knew that Saul would never approve. But Jonathan was determined to act in faith, even though he was outnumbered and way outgunned. Jonathan must have had a great relationship with his armor bearer. If the armor bearer was, even though he was unnamed, he had learned to carry not only his arms, but his heart as well. He promised to stand with him and to follow wherever they went. So we have reason to think that Jonathan felt a divine impulse and impression putting him under this bold adventure in which he was, had encouraged by his servant's concurrence. Otherwise, the danger would have been so great that he ran upon that he would have tempted God rather than trusting him. And perhaps he had an a, a actual regard uh, for the word of Joshua, which in Joshua 23, uh, verse 10 says, One of you routes a thousand, but the Lord your God fights for you, just as he has promised. So they are uncircumcised, and they do not uh, have the seal of the covenant of the flesh as we have. Fear not, we shall we'll do well with them, for they are not under protection of God's covenant as we are cannot call themselves heirs as we can by the sign of circumcision. So Jonathan did not consult the priest, but being conscious of the divine impulse, putting them under it, perhaps it was the Holy Spirit, he threw himself into the mouth of danger in hope of doing service to his country. The way of access to the enemy's camp 
is described in uh, verses 4 and 5 as being particularly difficult and the nature um, entrenchments impregnable. But this doesn't uh, discourage him. The strength and the sharpness of the rocks do not harden him um, or or wet his solutions. So let's see. Okay, so Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with the armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed by and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area size of a half an acre. And then panic struck out on the whole army in the camp and the field and those in the output and raiding parties. And the ground shook that it was a panic by God. Now, I want to show you just a little picture of what it looked like, the area looked like around there. And if you can see, it's not flat. (laughs) And there's a lot of rocks and everything. And they had to climb up the cliffs with using their hands and their feet to get up to the Philistines. So here's two guys going up there to our army. So Jonathan and his armor bearer made a pact. If the Philistines said, wait until we come to you, then they will stand still. But if the Philistines says, come up to us, they would attack. And they would be the sign that God would be with them. So Jonathan and his armor bearer uh, charged into battle and gave God the glory. They killed 20 20 Philistines in a a very short time. It says they killed 20 people in the area the size of a half acre. So uh, when Jonathan and his armor bearer reached the Philistine garrison, they said they came across a rocky crag, and he said to his armor bearer, It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving us by many or by few. So Jonathan's faith was amazing. He knew that he and his armor bearer were way outnumbered, but he also knew that God was with them, and he believed that God would give them victory, even though they were way outnumbered. So we get to 16 through 23. So Saul's lookouts at Gibeah and Benjamin saw that the army was melting away in all directions. Then Saul said to the men who were with him, muster the forces and see who has left us. And when they did, it was Jonathan and the armor bearer who were not there. So Saul said to Ahijah, bring the ark of of God. And at that time, it says they were with the Israelites. And while Saul was take, talking to the priest, the tumult of the Philistine camp increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. When Saul and all of his men assembled and went to battle, they found that the Philistines were in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. Though Hebrews, were, who had previously been with the Philistines, and had gone up with them to their camp, went over to the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. 
And when all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit. And so on that day, the Lord saved Israel, and the battle moved on to Ben-Haven. Now, now I think that there was a time element here. How long does it take to muster 600 men? It takes a pretty good time to, to figure out where everybody is. And only then to find out there's only two people missing, Saul's son and his armor bearer. God honored their faith and bravery by causing confusion, a panic in the Philistine army. The Philistines were fighting themselves. God also creates an earthquake, making the situation even worse. Saul apparently couldn't believe his eyes. Something big was going on in the Philistine camp. So Saul decides to join the battle. So on that day, the Lord saved Israel, and the battle moved on to Ben-Haven. So Jonathan and his armor-bearer weren't much of a force to attack a huge Philistine army. But while everyone else was afraid that they trusted God, knowing that the size of the enemy army would not restrict God's ability to help them, So God honored their faith and brave action of the two men with a tremendous victory. Jonathan did not have the authority to lead all the troops into battle, but he could start a small skirmish in one corner of the enemy camp. And when he did, panic broke out among the Philistines and the Hebrews who had drafted into the Philistine army um, revolted. And the men who were hiding in the hills regained their courage and return to the fight. So uh, let me ask a question. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of this story before today. Okay, fair number of people. Good. So um, I submit that this story of bravery is very much a miracle that that we uh, have that's listed in the Bible. Yet I, I didn't think we hear too much about these. So let's look at some of the examples in the Bible that I thought of just right off the top of my head about um, bravery in the Bible. Abram left his country to follow God in Genesis 12. Moses confronted the Pharaoh and parted with the Red Sea in Exodus 14. That took a lot of faith. Noah built his ark in the middle of a desert. Everybody was uh, complaining and and, uh, ridiculing him, Genesis 6. Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel 6. The three in the fiery furnace, Daniel 3. Esther going before King Xerxes, that took a lot of faith, Esther 4. David and Goliath, which we'll see in a few chapters coming ahead, chapter 17. And I kind of think that uh, after hearing about this story, David got a little faith and that uh, saying that, hey, if Jonathan can do it, I can too. Joshua and Caleb in the promised land, Joshua 6. And uh, Deborah going into battle with Sisera in Judges 4. And Peter walking on the water, Matthew 14. And uh, I put down the Christian martyrs because it took a lot of faith for them on a lot of stories about Christian martyrs where they actually went to their deaths singing. 
And uh, so I thought that was uh, really good to put that there. So so, uh, so what can we learn from the story of Jonathan and the raid on the Philistine uh, garrison? We can learn that we can use, that uh, God can use anyone to do his work. John, John, Jonathan was just a, a young man with a handful of weapons, but because of his faith in God, God used him in a, in a great and powerful way. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been felt surrounded by the enemy and faced overwhelming odds? God is never intimidated by the size of the enemy or the complexity of the problem. With him, there's always enough resources to resist the pressures and to win the battle. If God has called you into action, then bravely commit your resources to, um, to give to God. When you're facing a difficult situation that's beyond your control, ask yourself, what does God want me to do? What, what do you want to teach me by going through this situation or a trial? A very few small steps is all that's needed to begin the chain of events leading to an outcome that gives God the ultimate victory. So what can we learn from the story of Jonathan and his raid on the Philistine garrison? We can learn that God can use anyone to do his work. Jonathan was just a young man with a handful of weapons, but because he had faith, God gave him a, a, to win a great victory. We also learn that God is not limited by numbers or circumstances. There's no restraint in the Lord, no limitation to the Holy One of Israel. But it, it is, uh, but it is all one to Him to save as many or a few. To say the least, the two Israelites were outnumbered and outgunned, but God gave the Israelites the victory that day. We learn that we should always be willing to act in faith, even when the odds are against, stacked up against us. Just like Jonathan, we should never give up on uh, what God has called us to do. So uh, in conclusion, I would challenge us today to be like Jonathan. Have faith to, in God, even though odds are stacked against us. Act in faith, even when it's difficult. And know that God can use you in the great things, no matter how small or insignificant you may feel. Thanks for joining us today for our study of 1 Samuel. For more information on the Friday Men's Breakfast, please visit wcchapel.org slash mensbreakfast. Until next week, our prayer for you is that the king you desire first and foremost is not a mere earthly ruler, but Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of both heaven and earth. God bless.